Here we are, smoking cigars. I just lit this thing, Greg, and I already got a canoe. <laughs> Canoeing the dog rocket. So what are you smoking there? I'm smoking a Nat Sherman Timeless Supreme. Supreme. And I'm smoking an Alec Bradley Coil. That's C-O-Y-O-L. Coil. So I wonder. Is, is that the one I brought over That's for you That's the one you brought over. That's the oh. one. Yeah. You turned me on to those Alec Bradleys at P.O. They're pretty good. Yes, it's a very consistent cigar, but each one of the cigars have a little little different zing to them. Oh, especially when you light them. Absolutely. <laughs> so I have a diagram here that I put together. Okay. And last week we talked about who actually owns who in the cigar world. And it was kind of interesting. I think I still have the documentation. So what I did here was I put together a list at the top of all the growers. Oh, these because are the growers. The growers yeah. aren't necessarily the cigar manufacturers. A lot of times they are, and they'll pass them off to, for example, Rocky Patel or Swisher or Bradley and sell them with a different band on. But look at this. Nestor Placencia grows the tobacco for Rocky, uh, not all Rocky cigars, but a number of them. Rocky Patel, Swisher, Oliva, Five Vegas, Alec Bradley, Casa Magna, who we actually know as Casada, and uh, JR. Do you know who that is? Isn't that the Yeah, it's the wholesaler? Second, that's the bar shop down there, or what is it? North Carolina? We get all those red hot deals. <laughs> now so, we can't say that. No, can't. But we just did. Did. So we've got Nestor Placencia, Padrone, who grows and owns factories, but actually sells their own cigars. Drew Estate apparently has one of the largest plantations and factories in Nicaragua. Okay. E.P. Carrillo, Eduardo Jimenez, Christian Eroa, of course the Fuente family, Fuentes family. Right. And Jesus Fuego, which Patty thought was Jesus Fuego. And that would have been a, a holy cigar if there ever was one. Guillermo and George Rico, Silvio Perdomo, we've heard of Perdomos. Yes. As a matter of fact, I just got a couple Perdomos from Cigar Dave. The uh, pick of the month, I got, a, I got three Perdomos. Had one. Yes. It was awesome. No dog rocket. No canoeing. No canoeing? No, no canoeing. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, at Sineke. The Atsiniki family in Nicaragua, who actually grows, sells tobacco, and actually creates their own cigars, which I have never seen. But they have about six or seven, which they say are for sale, but I have never seen. Which doesn't mean anything. Well, I have a question. So, all of these are growers. Yes. So, this Nestor, the, this one down here, that's who supplies all of the tobacco for those respective? Not all. The, the people listed below, Rocky Patel, Swisher, Oliva, Five Vegas, Alec Bradley, Casa Magna, get a, a large percentage of their tobaccos from Nestor Placencia. And then so they, some of it might come from the Fuente yes, or Asataki? Correct. Or, what they'll do is they'll blend them and then create their own brand of cigar. 
is Nestor the main supplier? Is what it like we, 60, 70 percent of their tobacco? Or it looked it, like from what I could see that, that Placencia supplied maybe a third of the tobaccos to just about every one of these uh, groups, Rocky, Swisher, Oliva, Five Vegas. Rocky has his own plantations, a few, as do Oliva, uh, but I know Casa Magna, I know Casada has their own growing. So it turns out that a lot of these growers may market their own cigars, for example, Padron, and of course the Fuentes family and Perdomo, but they also supply to these other individuals who may or may not grow tobacco. So it's really complicated. It starts to get, you know, who's, who's actually selling the cigar, who's growing the tobacco. It's not a clear-cut picture. I used to think that if I bought an Oliva, Oliva somehow had an Oliva plantation and all of the tobacco came from that. Well, that's not the case at all. So it's really mixed up. So it's almost like the juice in Napa Valley. So probably depending on the, the market, the growing season, the yield. Maybe the different kinds of tobacco, tobacco flavors, uh, the yeah, terroir this... of the tobacco. The one thing I read about Perdomo was that some of their tobaccos were known to be a little spicier in flavor than others. So I can imagine if I were Rocky, Rocky Patel, I might say, you know, I want a new line of cigars. Want something a little spicier? Nish may say no, but you know, whatever. We don't do what Nish says. Nish, Nish. Rocky has the final call because you know Nish has his own line and Nish has his he's own got line. his own responsibilities. It's it's a matter of all these guys mixing up their tobacco, sharing even some of the factories. For example, the Placencia factory will make the cigars, grow the cigars, make the cigars. And send them, cure them, Alec, cure yeah, them cure everything, all works. Roll them, everything, and then send to Alec Bradley, who will say, this is what I wanted, and we're going to put our own band on. Now, how the heck do you figure out who's who and what's what, and what might you expect in a cigar? Except you got to smoke them. Yeah, it's like who's on first. Right. I'm curious, and we had discussions on the... Uh, where do they get their tobacco from? This is a lot of legwork. I know you just dove into it, and, and it's pretty uh, involved. They're not their own entity. They're owned by the Imperial Tobacco Company, which, you know, having gone to the big smoke and met some of these guys, I didn't know that these companies were so intertwined. Well, you know what? We're going to a Davidoff smoker here in a couple weeks. We might want to pose that question to the guys at Davinoff. Are there going to be representatives there? Yes, there is. And where is that? That's going to be at Cordy's Cigar Box. There's a, it's uh, we are smoking the it's the one that was launched in 2007. Yes. <laughs> I, I think I told you I had two boxes that when those were launched in two, 2007. I'm really curious to see how this cigar smokes. Yeah. Uh, I've had the opportunity to smoke a lot of cigars in my 25 years of smoking cigars. That that cigar A lot is, of dog rockets. A lot of dog rockets. A lot of dog rockets. Yeah. You know, the thing about dog rockets, though, and I see a lot of guys, and they wonder why they canoe, and, and uh, I watch guys light cigars sometimes, yeah. Yeah. and it's it's really unfortunate. you got to tell them, hey you need to fire that thing up again. 
and light it properly. You, you know, some guys will light it and they get a couple puffs and they think they're good and you look at it and the, just one half of the end of the cigar is lit. lit. And, and then like five minutes later, we could go canoeing. And there's no hope after that. After that, yeah, you've yeah. kind of, yeah. But, so, uh, I had a, uh, a brother-in-law tell me once, as he lit his cigar properly, what he was doing, he said, I'm toasting the end of the cigar. Even though he was lighting his cigar properly, I never did that. I never held the cigar out and held the lighter and kind of charred the end of it evenly. Right. I never used to do that. And I had a lot of canoe cigars. Now, I always thought in my mind that was cheap tobacco or, you know, but it turns out he was doing the right thing. Now I do that, and I understand why, because it helps the cigar burn evenly. And now as I do that, I get a nice even burn. But before, I would light, puff, you know, with it in my mouth, puff, and I'd end up with a canoe cigar, you know, a dugout, uh, an old log hollowed out, and it would just fall apart. Have to relight, 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 you know, to burn off that end, the flapping end there. Yeah. Yeah, that's no good. Well, somebody must have showed him that. It was the right way. And I learned something. So there we go. My cigars all burn pretty good. Uh, I am, you know. But I, I think the, the one thing about, you know, uh, the first thing you got to do, though, you got to make sure your cigars lit right. Yeah. Because if you don't, you can destroy a really good cigar. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, look how this Alec Bradley's burning, you know? Oh, that's that's the timeless. What did I say? You said Alec Bradley. I've got the Alec Bradley. Look how nice right, that's I said burning. the Nat Sherman. Did I say Alec? No, you have the Alec I'm sorry, Nat Sherman. Yeah, I got the Alec Bradley, and that's burning nicely. It's a, it's a nice, even burn. It's nice ash. I use the, uh, what do you call that, the V-cutter? The V-cut. The V-cut. I prefer that. Uh, I used to Why do Why do you the, prefer that? Well, because I prefer that because it opens up the end of the cigar. It really opens it up, but it keeps half the cap on. You notice that? If you take a regular straight cutter, guillotine, you cut your end of your cigar, your cap is gone. Most of it's gone. It yeah. comes right off. Right. So if I use the V cutter, the strength of the cap is still there, but I get maximum flow through the cigar. I used to use the hole punch, you know, the little round hole puncher thing. Yeah. And I really preferred that for a number of years because it kept the cap in place. But this V-cutter really opens up the end of the cap and lets me get a good draw no matter what. Even if I've got it. So you think it you think this smokes better than the than a straight cut? You think the, you think well, the smoke is the same? I think the straight body? cut is is good for the flow. But how many times when you're you're doing a straight cut, you get pieces of tobacco in your mouth? Right, I mean, partially your, the end of the cigar starts to unravel. So I, I much prefer that V-cut. And you know, they're not, they're not cheap. You gotta get a good one. If you get one at all, it's gotta be a good, sharp cutter. Uh, and like that Calibri I bought. You know, that's a nice, hefty, not inexpensive cutter, but I think it's the best cut I've ever had. I don't know, I, when I get a cigar, Oh, it's like anything. Do I have a glass of wine or a martini before dinner? Now that's tough. What do you, man, that's a decision. 
Yes, and then, it is. And then, well, I mean, a V cut or a straight cut. And then what kind of wine? Then what kind of wine? Well, for the most part, 95% of the time it's a red. We can narrow it down to that. But, but if you do a red, you don't want a dry red with a cigar. I don't think. No. That's good with food, but not a cigar. Maybe a Pinot. Or a... Uh, Pinot Noir. I'm not a Merlot fan. That might be more appropriate with a cigar, though. It's a little bit often sweeter and fruitier than, say, a dry cab or a uh, anything. Maybe that's something we should start talking about in, in, in our shows as we move forward about pairing cigars with... Wine before Before dinner, after dinner, or just a casual smoke. How many times do you have a cigar after you eat? Well, it's tough now if you're out to dinner, but... True fact. But if you're home, do you generally have a cigar after you eat or before you eat? During the afternoon, maybe. Before, and then after dinner. After dinner cigar? And wouldn't that matter what you maybe have as uh, an aperitif before and maybe an after-dinner drink? How would you match that up? It's our world. I mean, we can do whatever we want. So this, this is a nice cigar, this coil. I would rate it as a, uh, it's a nice smoker, nice draw. It doesn't have much of an oily sheen though. Yeah. It's got a nice wrapper. It's what well, we you should have licked well. the whole cigar there and gave it a little sheen if you wanted oh, sheen. Oh, I, I suppose I could soak it in dishwater too. Look at that ash. That's a beautiful ash. Sit your ash down. Man. There's, there's a, there's a good-sized ashtray for your ash. Whoops. You know what's good as a wine with a cigar? A port. Something like a port. Don't you think that the sweeter the wine, the better it is with a cigar? That, that's kind of what I was driving at before. A dry red, I don't think would go well. We could do it. We might have to experiment with that. But I don't think that a dry red is gonna go well with anything but food. Well, I know in your case, afterwards, after dinner, you'd probably want a single malt scotch. Or before dinner. Or before dinner, yeah. Or after right. lunch. Or after lunch. Or with lunch. Or breakfast. Or breakfast. Yes. Or before I go to bed. But those are, those are... You are part of the breakfast of champions. <laughs> those scotches are tough. And I, that's going to have to be a whole series. Uh, we'll have to explore that, but I gotta tell you, man, do you do a blended scotch? Do you do a single malt? Do you do it with water? Do you, uh, man, that, that's, it's not like bourbon, where most bourbons can almost taste the same. You know, you know you've got a bourbon when you drink it, but a, a single malt scotch, who made it? You better know your scotches real well, and that, that can be, daunting because some taste like factories burning down, like a dumpster fire. What? Yeah. Some single malt scotches can taste like a dumpster fire. You know, you've got... Well, that's why I don't drink scotch. That must be. But, you know, you can acquire a taste for anything after a certain period of time. Uh, even dirt, I suppose. You know, uh, Greg, I really want to thank you for getting this all set up here as as we launch our... our uh, Canoeing the dog rocket. 
canoeing the dog rocket, our new little venture here. I'm excited about it, but you were kind enough. My microphone has uh, gold on it. You and have the golden. I, I have the golden one, and you know I'm, I'm I feel like Rush Limbaugh right now with the golden microphone. With yes. the golden microphone. Yes. I think like maybe once a month we need to get a drive-by in here. And we need their opinion. I think that's true. So, as far as guests, <laughs> we, the, or or snowflake, or oh, that could be interesting. Or a snowflake and a drive-by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, you, you might need a couple of each. So, Stranger off the street. Yeah. The UPS driver. It wouldn't be that hard to find. No. So. I, and also, thank you for your fine selection of this jazz band playing in our background here in the studio. We have a rather unique custom studio here. We do. With a jazz band that plays in the background. And we have a beautiful view. Yes, we do. So it's a uh, rather idyllic studio to do this in. We have a nice table in front of us. Is this we can this we can go mobile with this too, right? Absolutely, we can pick this up and go. You know, all it needs is a laptop, the two microphones, your golden microphone, the little mixer box, and that's it. So we could conceivably sit down and uh, oh, you know what? You were talking about the event over at Corey's, weren't yes. you? Yes. So tell me more about that. When is it? What, what time? I believe it starts at 5, 6 o'clock. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd have to go on my phone, but we're going to leave the cell phone off for right now. And I believe it's on Tuesday. Tuesday? Yes. We've been uh, cordially, and we were tapped. There's only 16 of those cigars left. In the store? Yes. In the world. In the world. We are lucky. Yes, we are. 16 cigars left in the world. Yes. And we will smoke them. We will smoke them. Paired with that tequila. Uh, what is that? A Padron? Or was that... Uh, you will have to get on your phone and look. Yes. Apparently, we're going to have a Davidoff. Only 16 left in the world. 16 left in the world. And we're going to have, what, each? A bottle of Padron? It's special Padron? A añejo, or um, and for those of you who Here, don't know what an añejo is, it's kind of like an aged whiskey in oak barrels. It makes an añejo. It's usually brown, dark brown. Uh, you know these phones. No, I don't. Cause I don't you know, yeah, I know you don't. Uh, uh, uh. And for those of you wondering, I think we're going to be sampling avos next week. So we'll talk more about the tobacco and the cigar next week. This is just our kickoff show. We're... <laughs> what was that? I'm crazy? What? Yeah. We're going to... Uh, each week we're going to feature a specific cigar. We're unprepared today as far oh, here as the cigars. Is. The Davinov. Ah, here event. we go. What do you got? He says, those cigars will not be able to be purchased. We only have 16 left. I believe we're doing the same Davinov deal. For uh, buy a four pack and get a Davinoff free on the regular Dav on the everyday Davinoffs. I really shouldn't say everyday Davinoffs. There is no such thing as an everyday Davinoff, no, is God, there? No. That that's a pretty special cigar. Who said that? The operations manager. Oh, the operator. The producer from the booth. From the booth. Yeah. So what do you got? Well, I'm 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 uh, I'm not like you with uh, 
you could probably find it on here faster than I can. But I have the cigar crawl, yeah. which we can also talk about oh, later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We do need to talk about that. Absolutely. The Penn, Ohio cigar crawl. That's it. Yes. The Penn, Ohio cigar crawl on our hands and feet, right? No. We'll be at Pittsburgh not. crawling along the uh, Mahogahela. <laughs> at the bottom of the Mahogahela. The event is going to be smoking cigars, 16 Correct. of Correct. And enjoying companionship and yes. cigar ship and tequila ship. Well, there's going to be some real cigar smokers here because we're talking Davinoff, buddy. Some real, real enthusiasts will be You going got that. So that's once they do that, those 16 cigars are gone, and that's the end of the special Davidoff cigar thing. Yeah. But they have other things. What was that? And they brought us a number of cigars. Yeah, what was that gentleman's name from Florida? Uh, he worked for CAO. Filippi, or can't remember what it is either. But did you smoke any? Yeah, did I smoke any? Did you smoke them all? I believe I had two that evening. I really can't remember. And I smoked the the Buckeye cigar. The Buckeye. The Buckeye. Unfortunately, I wasn't thrilled with that. It was kind of harsh. We had a couple of other cigars that we smoked. We sm I smoked two, you smoked two. Some of the other guys smoked two cigars that night. And I don't think anybody was, and I hate to say this, not thoroughly impressed. I think it's just your mid good Middle of the road. Middle of the road. Yeah, every day you're cut out the, cutting cut the grass the and it falls out of your mouth and the lawnmower runs over it. It's, you're, still it's good. good. It's still good. You're fertilizing your lawn. <laughs> or you pick it back up and smoke the remnant. There you go. <laughs> but I did. I, did. <laughs> I don't know. With that big cub cadet you got with that vulture on it, I don't know, man. It, you'd have to re-roll that one. Well, I, I think I had to smoke it while I was while it was laying in the ground because it was all apart. But I I did smoke a couple other ones. You know, I thought I had my little brochure out here. Your little, you know what? There's there's one thing that we must do. What's that? Okay. Yes. If if we're gonna come off like we know what we're doing, we better know what we're doing. We know what we're doing. Yeah. And what there's what what's the old saying, Greg? Ten minutes of planning. Is 20 Eight, minutes of failure? No, 10 minutes of planning or an hour of planning is could save you five hours of work and... That's that's what they say. That's what they say. I now, think they lie. No, you're a planner. So, um, I will tell you about the Perdomo that, I, again, we'll go back to Cigar Dave's Officers Club. They sent me three cigars. They were all Perdomo. Uh, one was a Habano BBA with Connecticut wrapper. One was a Habano BBA with Sun Grown. And how, one was, how do you feel about Sun Growns? Uh, you know what? That can be challenging because Sun Grown can be harsh sometimes, I think. There's, there's some real sharp flavors in Sun Grown. I don't think there's, you know, if you smoke Connecticut wrapper, it's well, that mild, would pair up well with that scotch that... Uh, it might. You know... With the iodine and the... You want to pair bad with bad so that you don't... I, I'll try that out. Maybe next week I'll smoke that. And they also sent a Maduro. Now, I smoked the Connecticut. And I got to tell you, that was one of the richest and creamiest smokes. It had a hint of caramel and a hint of cedar caramel. to it. Caramel and cedar. It was almost like a... Um, if you can imagine a, a caramel candy, 
It had a little bit of a remnant of that flavor. And that was really nice. I've never smoked anything that tasted exactly like that. So I'm looking forward to the Sun Grown and the Maduro, but we'll see. That Connecticut was good. And I'm not you normally like a fan smoking, of Connecticut. You know, I like smoking a Connecticut cigar. In Massachusetts? No. Okay. No. Uh, that's a morning cigar for me. When you have your coffee? Yes. And, and it, you know, not seven, eight, nine o'clock after I have maybe one cup into my second cup. And, you know, this might be our first and last broadcast. <laughs> I think we can get this working a little bit. Yeah, better. I think we can. Next show, we will actually have a featured cigar. We will talk about it. Audiences can understand sometimes. <laughs> Turn up the jazz music. Yeah. Just for a minute. Just for a minute. In the, in the middle of the stream. Just because. And just relax and everybody can gather their thoughts and, and we'll go back at it. Yeah. What do you think? I do. You, you do what? Think. Think. Yes. Now you do think. Yes.